Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text is the epistle reading from Philippians chapter 2. The one great danger which confronted the church at Philippi was not persecution from the world, but internal disunity. It threatens every Christian congregation. Paul began his letter describing his great joy for their partnership in the gospel, the advancement of the gospel, and how faithful the Philippian congregation had been. Paul asked them to complete his joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Paul makes it clear what the causes of disunity are, selfish ambition and conceit. To put oneself out in front, to be respected, is really ambition. Someone said that prestige is a greater temptation than the desire for wealth. One need only look at the world of business and politics, politics especially. While for some there is, there is a desire to get great wealth, mostly it is to gain power and influence over others and to control their lives in some way, to make them dependent upon your goodwill that they owe you something. And so we play the game of finding ways of putting ourselves forward while claiming that we are merely serving others. Paul admonishes us, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. This is very hard for us to do. And when we allow ourselves to be so tempted and follow our sinful lusts, the church suffers. Our families suffer. Our friendships suffer, sometimes irreparably. When one concentrates upon himself, one does not serve others, but uses them for one's personal goals and satisfaction. I once read that lobster traps have no tops on them because once the lobsters get into the traps, they will pull the other lobsters back down into it. And whether that's true, I don't know. But it certainly seems to be true of human beings. We don't let others get ahead of us or get credit for something good if we can help further our own selfish interests. We find ourselves stepping on others, pushing them down, rather than helping them up. We want to get ahead, even if it is at the expense of others. And yes, it happens in the Christian congregation. And it seems that there are two outcomes. Either we seek to dominate others completely, or perhaps we simply don't show up. 
That's another way of saying that we don't serve the saints because we don't see that as a way of getting our egos stroked, of gaining leverage over others. And so Paul pleads with the Philippians to live in harmony with each other, to lay aside personal ambition, to look to the welfare of others before one looks to himself. And he does this by pointing to Christ Jesus. True God and true man, he could rightly rule all things on earth, but he didn't. Instead, he took the form of a servant, a slave, and became a true man. He humbled himself, that is, he emptied himself of all of his divine prerogatives. He laid them aside. And by the way, this is why many Christians, Luther included, would kneel or bow when the words of the Nicene Creed are spoken and became man, out of respect for our Lord's deep humility. Christ did the work of a servant and took upon Himself the sins of the world, carrying it all to a shameful death on the cross. He died a criminal's death, even though He is the Son of God. Jesus served us in such humbleness that we can scarcely comprehend it. The circumstances of his humble birth in a stable, romanticized at Christmas, should impress us deeply. In one of our hymns, it speaks about the ruler of everything lying in that crib in the stable. The poverty of his life, the persecution that he endured and the rejection by his own people demonstrate the depth of his humility. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, Paul pleads. Take Christ as your example. Follow in His footsteps. Don't look to your own interests, but look especially to the interests of others. And that's where the accusations of the law find their mark. Those arrows sink deeply into our flesh. I'm going to ask you to take your hymnals out at this point. And turn to page 292, page 292, individual confession and absolution. And this may be completely unfamiliar territory to many of you, but it shouldn't be. <clears throat> Look at that confession and then read aloud with me. I, a poor sinner... Plead guilty before God of all sins. I have lived as if God did not matter and as if I mattered most. My Lord's name I have not honored as I should. My worship and prayers have faltered. I have not let his love have its way with me, and so my love for others has failed. There are those whom I have hurt 
and those whom I have failed to help, my thoughts and desires have been soiled with sin. And then you have the opportunity to confess before your pastor those sins which trouble you particularly. Someone once joked, Lutherans don't go to private confession unless they've been caught red-handed. But my dear friends, confession exists for the sake of the absolution, for the forgiveness of your sins. But merely appealing to the example of Christ is still proclaiming the law. Be like Jesus. This is the same as telling yourself, well, just try harder. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Make a New Year's resolution to work at it. But that will merely leave you in your sin with even more guilt because you will realize how far short of that goal you come. And so Paul says, you and I must think differently. We must have the mind of Christ, which is given to us in holy baptism. We must repent and admit that we have failed not only Christ, but we have failed our neighbor as well. And that often plays out in the Christian congregation. Advent is like every other congregation in that we promise to serve humbly, but often then don't serve. And I don't mean merely the mundane mundane tasks that every congregation has, but also and especially by serving when nobody will notice that you did. What each needs to ask himself or herself is this, would I do this if I didn't get credit for serving? What if nobody noticed? And it works that way in your families, in your work, in your social circle. Let's dig just a little deeper here. Ego runs strong. The mother of James and John came to Jesus to ask that her son sit one on his right and one on his left in his kingdom. And when the other disciples heard about it, they became indignant. I think we'd say they were plenty steamed about it all. Torqued off whatever phrase you like to use. And then Jesus spoke to them all. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Serving 
as Jesus says, means that you serve even when no one gives you credit for cleaning the toilets, changing the baby's diaper in the middle of the night, taking care of an elderly parent or relative, or picking up the trash that someone has carelessly left behind. Yes, that's what Jesus means here. The hymn writer Paul Gerhardt said it so beautifully, and a lamb goes uncomplaining forth. A lamb goes uncomplaining forth, the guilt of sinners bearing, and laden with the sins of earth, none else the burden sharing, goes patient on, grows weak and faint, to slaughter led without complaint, that spotless life to offer. He bears the stripes, the wounds, the lies, the mockery, and yet replies, all this I gladly suffer. That is true humility and service. Now into Christ's death and resurrection, you have been baptized. His righteousness has become yours. He has served you so that you have His mind, Paul says, His heart for others. Jesus didn't win you with a display of power, but with this utter humility and service. He has shown us what love truly is. It is self-sacrifice, putting others before ourselves of serving them, even when we will receive no credit or thanks from others, when no one will pat us on the back and say, what a good boy or girl you are. And He empowers you to live this life of humble service by forgiving you in that holy absolution, and especially in His Holy Supper, where He not only forgives you, but strengthens you to serve others because He lives in you. And that is one of the purposes of receiving this sacrament often, that you learn to love God and your neighbor, as one of our hymns puts it so well. You and I will not achieve perfection in serving. But we can live in humility as we turn to Christ's cleansing blood in the sacrament. A few verses later, Paul wrote, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So God is working in you even this morning, as you receive Christ's body and blood, giving you the mind of Christ for His glory and for the good of your neighbor, so be it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. And you say, Amen.